LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I'm here with Chandler Vanoy. Hey, hey. And uh, and also an amiable writer. That's at least what is his title <laughs> on Squadcast. Uh, the a- amiable writer is Jeff Martin. Um, and uh, I think we're going to have a fun conversation. Jeff and I, we ha- I don't think we've met, but... Uh, in the last five minutes, uh, we've gotten to know each other fairly well and are given situations, uh, especially in light of COVID. And um, I had a few technical issues in getting on board, and it's been it's been a lovely little experience. It's been a ride. It's been a ride. <laughs> uh, what you should know about Jeff is he's an executive director at FCA. Um, we all know FCA. I, I, I think we all love FCA if we remember back um, to you know, high school, there were often FCA chapters and those, I mean, part of what I want to ask is some stuff about COVID. I know you do a lot of strategic initiatives and strategic partnerships, Uh, Jeff, that's one of your main things. Um, So how has your, um, how has your role changed and how has, um, how has have things shifted for FCA during COVID? Because, you know, a lot of times we're talking to uh, to pastors and a lot of times we're talking to nonprofits. But this is a nonprofit that we're more familiar with. We, you know, you guys don't need an introduction. We all kind of know what you do. But how mm-hmm. has that shifted during COVID? Well, first, it's great to be on uh, on this podcast. And, and uh, I, I'm not smart enough to type in my name. So the it's, it's put in there for me, amiable writer on my screen. And Todd, I'm looking at yours. You don't have your name in there either. And so yours is brave announcer. Maybe, maybe you, you're the one that typed that in. I don't know, but it's pretty funny. So uh, anyways, I didn't, I didn't type that in. And I'm not on the brave browser, although I use one quite often. Oh yeah, Chandler's the only one that understood how to actually type his name in. So he's the smartest of this. All the instructions, really. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, but hey, no, it's really going to be be on this with you. Yeah, the uh, COVID has obviously hit hit everybody. I'm almost tired of hearing that said. You know. Uh, oh my goodness. But uh, I think I think for us as an organization, you know, a lot of times you mentioned that we serve coaches and athletes on, on uh, campuses and that's at all level elementary, all the way up, you know, through collegiate and uh, in the the pros. And we're going into uh, league and club sports as well. We're a global organization in over 102 countries. And so, you know, we're, 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 we're diverse out there. And this hit us hard because, you know, our ability to, you know, connect with coaches and athletes and all of the unique challenges that they had from the standpoint of, you know, uh, seasons being wiped out, not being able to be together, not being able to compete, um, all of the different things. And, And again, everything affected everything differently, but for them, uh, it, it was, it was really rough. It, it, you know, er, everything got scattered. And so our staff had to react to that and respond. Um, one of the good things that we did see is unlike churches, 
uh, where people come to a building uh, for corporate worship and, and ministry and things like that as part of the, the main programmatic elements. We're, we weren't like that. So, you know, I, I do feel like we were able to adjust to being more uh, spread out, decentralized, connecting, you know, digitally, all those type of things more than churches. And um, so, yeah, there was a variety of things that we had to adapt to just like everybody else. Uh, it's been exhausting. The, the campus, you know, the, the ability to normally we would go to campuses, uh, you know, it's happened, it starts in September, goes to nine months. We have this ministry rhythm that happens with that. That got blown up. So all summer right. we it wiped out our camps. We have over 500 camps, almost 100,000 people attend. Uh, we couldn't do most of those, but we adapted and adjusted to those and became very, um, you, you know, very fluid in what we did and how we did it. And ultimately we trusted our staff on the ground that were the closest to the issues. We could, there were no main edicts from on high. We just said, here's principles and to apply that, um, as they did ministry and our staff have been incredible adapting to the reality, the changing realities in front of them. You know, uh, I want to make a comment on something that you said. And then I, I also want to uh, talk to you about shifts in volunteers and, you know, how you've engaged volunteers during this time. But you talked about camps and um, I don't mention the importance of camps because it's important to my organization. I mean, we have a 130,000 to 180,000 uh, a year kids or students that go through, go to our camps. And, um, I don't say it because it's important to my organization. I say it's important to my life. I would not mm -hmm. be here talking right now. Mm -hmm. Um, if it hadn't been for the experiences I had at Christian camp, especially in my mm -hmm. high school years. And so I just want to put a plug in, um, for those pastors, student pastors, uh, and whatever uh, leaders are out there, whether it, it camp is extremely important and those experiences where we go away and, and we are able to um, be kind of taken out of, of some of our normal and shaken up a bit. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, and I would guess for you, most of our listeners, we could say the same. So just wanted to put that plug in there for camp, Christian camp. But choose one. It doesn't have to be one of ours. Uh, us or FCA, but choose one and and one that's solid uh, and go to it. Okay. Now, I want to transition. Our first question is usually um, who are you learning from? But I'm going to ask you what you're learning about because you recently wrote um, a, a book on the keys to leading a volunteer movement. And I love right now talking to some of our authors because uh, you know, it takes for, it takes forever to write, but it takes a long time to write a book. And mm -hmm. so for most books that are dropping right now, they did not have the luxury of knowing that this was coming. Um, so, you know, you've got some great keys to leading a volunteer movement. Um, and that's actually the book's called empower leading a volunteer movement. And one of my favorite things is, um, is how you start out, which is, this is not a normal way to start a book. This is not the normal verse you see when starting a book, but this is his very first verse. Uh, Acts 4, 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, 
ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note of these men, uh, that these men had been with Jesus. So uh, what's beautiful for me uh, and beautiful for you and your organization is that we're, you know, like an organization is only as strong as it's people. And it's, it's really, it's volunteers. And Ooh. so most of the time, those are ordinary people. And the, the real question is how do we engage those people? How do we equip those people and release those people? And um, I know, you know, it's like, Hey, here's how you, here's how you lead a volunteer movement um, is kind of what that book's about. But in light of COVID, what have you learned? Um, what has shifted in that process? Mm. Well, I'll tell you, it, it's, I think one of the things that I've learned because I've been on, uh, I sit on uh, some, some ministry executive councils on some Alliance advisory teams and, uh, and just organizational groupings and more than ever before, everyone is getting together uh, on Zooms. You know, usually you'd have these scheduled calls and stuff and we'd have face-to-face -face meetings and people would be there and it was sort of, you know, we, that's, that's what you do. And now it's like everyone literally on a Zoom call, you see them sort of leaning in because everyone's organizational structure has gotten blown up. And so now everyone is reacting. They're going, what? What, what are, what's working? What, what can we do? We don't know what to do. You know, like, so everyone's sharing, they're grasping, they're looking. And what I think what I've seen is that and heard is this word. And by the way, uh, I, it, it does take a long time to write a book. I, I, it, it was brutal. <laughs> and, uh, but the timing of this couldn't be better because here's a word that I've heard over and over is that leaders of denominational organizations, uh, global ministry organizations, businesses, etc. They've said that we've realized now how important it is that we empower our people to lead because that structure of all of the, you know, all of their, their people, you could say ordinary, all of them coming into one building to listen to the expert talk, right. Or the experts, that, you know, that that's been shut down. And the reality of an organization is that the great, the greatest uh, ambassadors, the greatest, most influential people are the people that take that message out beyond. And so I think everyone knows that, but what I've heard over and over is we're going to find out really quick if, if we're serious about that word empower. And I was, mm. as I was listening to that, I was like going, man, I've got this book that's coming out that might be helpful, right? From that standpoint, because it is, you, it, it's almost like, you know, you know it, everyone says it, but until you're forced into that, then you're, that's when you really find out if you're serious about it. And um, in a lot of our organizations were forced to say, hey, we don't have access to the people that we've been ministering to, but you know what? They have unfettered access to 10 people around them. And, you know, one of the things I've shared on, on, in some of our calls is, you know, our cultures change we, you know, people st used to, you could have three TV stations you could watch. You could only watch one sporting event on Sunday. Everything was chosen for you. It was very limited. And now the consumers are now the producers, you know, you got YouTube, you got, Amazon, you know, if you want to go for a ride used to, you don't get in a car 
with a stranger. Now you, you know, Uber, you are getting, you know, you, you are the producer, right? And you're not just the consumer, uh, Airbnb, the, the entire culture has changed where everyone's a producer. And the question is, have, have our, have our churches, have, has the Christian work, have we adapted the fact and really looked at these ordinary people, these volunteers, how influential they are? And are we, uh, are we as, 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 a, as a church body, are we looking at these volunteers as people to be rolled into our organization? Or are we looking at them as influencers that, we, that are sent out into the community to change that community and ultimately change the world. And so I think that's been a refreshing, uh, a refreshing reality that's kind of, although it's been painful, that I do believe leaders of organization, we still need, we still need leaders and, and, and uh, pastors and, you know, as part of what we're doing, but this, this eye-opening uh, understanding of empowering volunteers, how important they are, has had a spotlight put on it uh, during COVID. You know, you mentioned you, you writing a book takes a lot of time. You've, you've, you spent a lot of time thinking about volunteer movements. That's your own experience. I know with fields of faith, that was a volunteer led movement. FCA in general is what are some of the common mistakes as you've been processing this, even from your own experiences, what are some of the common mistakes that you've seen maybe even yourself do when you're leading volunteers, but also for the churches, uh, for churches and church leaders and pastors who are listening they're leading volunteers as well. And it's not, Hey, because of your paycheck, you're doing this, but instead it's because of the vision that we're calling you to, you want to do this. What are some of the mistakes that you've seen along the way? Oh my gosh. Well, I, all I have to do is look in the mirror to find some, I think I've made, made so many myself uh, <laughs> when it comes to volunteers. And I think, I, I think that probably the number one mistake would be that, uh, of not trusting or not taking a risk uh, to hand off uh, something of, of significance to volunteers. And so what I mean by that is many times we will, we, we have programs, we have things that we need, that we need volunteers to step in to that, into that uh, spot so we can execute our programs. And so I think one of the greatest things uh, pro, not, uh, I guess greatest mistakes is that the programs are good. And so we get, we get focused on the program. And so we know we need volunteers. So we'll do whatever we can to get volunteers. And the thing is that volunteers are really busy and people that could volunteer are busy. And so what we do many times is, is we will we'll come in with this emergency request and, you know, like, Oh my gosh, if we don't do this, we have to shut everything down or we guilt people into please just, you know, we beg, we plead, we lower the expectation of volunteers many times. And if we can just get, get a warm body in a position, well, that's going to help our overall program, which is a good thing. So that's, you see, so that, that's the mindset. Mm -hmm. It's almost, it's almost, it's, it's, it's very, um, I don't know what the word is. It's, it's hard to see many times. And so we feel like we're doing this great thing. And so we'll lower the bar of expectation. And so, if the volunteer steps over that low bar, then we go, oh my gosh, we've achieved we, like success. And we get all excited about that. And, and it's very, it, it, it really creeps in to leadership of volunteers. And so the, what we talk about in the opposite, and this is what happened with Fields of Faith. We took this risk and said, 
Um, and if you look at the book on the front of the book is a microphone. We took a risk and we said, we're going to give students, we're going to give ordinary students that they may not be great speakers and they may not be, you know, the ability to keep everyone's attention, but they're authentic. We're going to give them the mic. And that was a big risk. Um, when we did that, because a lot of, a lot of ministry experts, I talked to a bunch of people before we started that, that event and they said, don't do it because you need a hook. Like Students won't listen and say you have a great speaker, you got music or you got pizza or so you always have to have a hook. And we said, well, we're just not going to do that. Um, and we're going to we're going to give it a shot. And what we found is students listen more because they can identify with those who are up, up there on the front with the mic. So it was a risk. Hmm. We took a risk. and We had to trust them with something where if they did not show up, this program, this event was going to fail. And we had no idea if they would, because as ministers and leaders, we like to control the situation. And when you when you empower someone, you're giving up some control. And I'm not saying give up everything. I mean, you still want to have some parameters. But I would say that's one of the mm -hmm. biggest things is, is not not taking that risk to trust your volunteers. And I will say this. Um, you don't, uh, we, the, the first chapter, the whole first chapter I spent a lot of time on is this word value and you don't value what you don't trust. And, and volunteers can tell that that they know if they're just a cog in the, in the machine, but if you come up and go, listen, we're, th these are some things, including them, ask them what they think. And then every now and again, sprinkling in something that's a great, uh, a great event, a great cause or something epic. They all want to be part of that. And so um, I think that would be my answer to that is, is not really taking that risk and trusting volunteers, even though you feel like everything's going well. And that's a huge miss. Hmm. Well, let's move now to your leadership team and even yourself. So what would you say is your main point of emphasis as you are leading your team currently? Yeah, I think... Um, I think the word unity, and we talked about even at the beginning of this pandemic as our executive team sitting, uh, sitting down, looking at each other, right, what are we going to do, right? Like, how, what's, how are we going to adapt to this? Uh, all yeah. of the unknowns, you know, just like everyone. And the, the most important thing that we knew that was going to be just incredibly important is unity. And I, I would say one of the great things of working with FCA is it is a, it's an athletic culture. It's a competitive culture because most of the people have come from the sports culture and understand that. And um, we understood very quickly that anytime you're going to, you get, you get hit with adversity that you didn't see come. It's almost like halftime of games. You have these great plans and they might get blown up in the, in the first half and you got to make adjustments and you got to do those. So I think, it was, um, it, it was, you know, somewhat a little bit easier for us to do that because of the culture, but we realized in adversity, you have to unite. You cannot, you can't start, um, spreading out and isolating and things like that. So I, I would say that was the biggest move on our part. And we made every effort, whether it, it was more intentional organizational communications, uh, uh, making sure that, that there was uh, the ability to connect digitally in any any way that we could, uh, coming up with with reasons and ways to and we upped our communication. We uh, did a lot of things to try and press towards that unity and not just sit back because the tendency to sit back and go, "What do we do now? What are you doing?" It, it was just like 
we're going to we're going to communicate better and we're going to unite. And so I think that's been a uh, a big focus uh, for us when it came to you know dealing with COVID and with what we're doing now. And I would say this that uh, one of the things we talk about you know like like one of the names of Satan is Diabolos. And which really literally means to strike through and it's a, to slander, to strike through. It's this idea of scattering is known as the scatterer, Diabolos, the scatterer. And that's one of the things that happens is in, in just, just to strike through and scatter everybody. And, and the, the antithesis of that is to unite. And that's been an emphasis of our leadership team over the, over the past you know, over the past year. You know, one of the things that I think is really interesting in talking to pastors and organizations as much as we have, I mean, we're almost coming up on a year where this has been a real thing. (laughs) And Uh so, um, you know, people who listen to the podcast know that I often talk about, you know, leadership is really moving from being intuitive to intentional, but, um, there, I think that there is a big difference. The way that I would describe that in this particular moment in time is the difference between reacting and responding as an organization, because one is intuitive and one is really intentional. I think when you respond, it is informed. It's informed by certainly, hopefully you had your values and your vision and everything was clear Hopefully you had uh, a really established culture um, because that should inform everything else. But beyond that, it was it's saying, okay, how did our strategy adjust? Did we restructure? Did we um, adjust our uh, systems to make them more simple or to to make them for the day? Um, You know, you talked about the importance of communication. It's not just frequency of communication. It's what we're communicating. How, how much are we communicating? How can we simplify that as mm-hmm. well as uh, the, the cadence um, and the importance of that? So um, I just wanted to echo, you know, some of, some of the, uh, a lot of us think we're, re- that, that we're um, responding well when the reality is we're still just reacting. And, uh, it's because, you know, traditionally we've made some, some pretty good decisions or we wouldn't be where we are, but I would say, man, if you want to empower leaders, if you want to empower your volunteers, you can't rely on that same level of intuition. You have to be really intentional in order to be able to say, you know what, two or three rungs down the ladder they can make good decisions. They can have good judgment even during this crisis because we have been so clear on what our vision and values are because our culture is so clear. It is, I mean, ultimately culture is, is shared behavior. And so when we have done a really good job, that shared behavior is at every level of volunteerism throughout our organization and they will make good decisions um, mm-hmm. that align in our culture. So I would say that's the difference between responding and, and, and reacting. Um, sorry, I went on a diatribe there. No, that's good. That's good. Um, it's, it's so true. Well, Jeff, I know you talked about even just being scattered and unified. And I think 
I think everybody's felt the weight of that right now is just even, you know, even if you're unified on a zoom call, you know, there's, it's still very different. And there's within that, we also have to keep ourselves, you know, healthy as leaders to make sure that we are able to unify others, you know, bring people in. So what are, you know, two to three things that you try to do daily that benefit you in your life and your leadership? Yeah, I, I would say in someone, I think, uh, Todd, you'd mentioned th- this idea of simple, you know, keep keeping things simple when, whenever there is chaos, you know, chaotic and things like that. And, uh, I, I, I would say the number one thing is this, it sounds simple, but is spending time in the word each day hmm. that it can, that, that can get lost. I mean, it can be something that, that you just sort of overlook in this, this effort and this desire to be innovative and figure out how to do all these things. But it's almost like you, you drive more towards simplicity and the core things that are the most important. I have a, a chapter in the book It's called simplicity. It's one, that's one of the four keys that whenever we saw fields of faith, uh, expand just, it just kept going. It's been going for 16, 17 years, over 2 million people have been to it. And, and I was just like, after a little bit, it was the idea for this book was like, why is that still going? Every event has a shelf life and, and just sort of, you know, get into that. And one of the key things, one of the key elements in a movement or in your life, especially responding to, to things is this, this, uh, this word, simple simplicity. And, um, I, and I'll share an example of it real quick. Why the word of God is so important each day for each one of us regardless of what the situation is. When I was thinking about starting fields of faith, I had, I, uh, I had read in second Chronicles 34. I would, I was frustrated because of the way that the culture was going and my kids were getting ready to go into, uh, go into junior high and high school. And I'd been ministering there for 10 years. I was like, it's getting worse. And I like, what are we doing here? And I, I saw a passage in Second uh, Chronicles 34 about King Josiah who turned his country around by finding the word of God and getting everyone in one place, reading them the word of God and saying, this is where we stand and challenging them to stand with him. And I thought, oh my goodness, uh, it, that's, I wonder if that's, you know, the, the difference was the word of God. Is it that simple? And then I, so I, I started asking around to a lot of people going is who is actually spending time in the word of God? These are Christians and believers. And, and really what, what I, what I found out was not very many people were, or they didn't know the people if they were ministering to students, if they were literally spending time in the word of God on their own. And so I was just thinking about that. And my, my brother-in-law came back from Iraq and he was in the military and uh, he ended up, uh, he, he got out as a colonel, but he was fighting in Iraq at that time. And we went to, we went to Six Flags and we were standing in line at the Roaring Rapids. I still remember this. We're standing in line and I asked him, I go, I go, hey, Jeff, his name is Jeff as well. And I, I go, hey, when you guys invade a city or a village or something, what do you do? And, and the reason I asked him that is there's a lot of similar similarities in military. It's mentioned so many times in scripture. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of principles that we talked with over the years that really applied. He would ask me stuff about ministry back and forth. And anyways, I asked him, what do you, what do you do? And he sort of laughed and he goes, well, it's, it's, it's the simple part of it is this. He goes, 
he goes, you need to identify the center of gravity in this, you know, where you're, where you're going into, he said, it could be a person, it could be a political party. It could be the will of the people, it could be all types, but identify what holds that community together. And he goes, and the second thing is, is you cut off or you disrupt communication to the center of gravity. And I go, well, what's the third thing? And he just, he said, invade. And I said, okay. And I go, and he's a believer. I said, so what, what's the center of gravity for Christians? And he thought a little bit and he goes, it's Jesus Christ. You know, Colossians says that he holds all things together, that he is the center, right? And I was like, okay. And I said, so what would you do to disrupt communication or cut off communication? And he thought for a little bit, he goes, I really wouldn't worry about a sermon or going to church or Sunday school because that's, they're going to hear what other people have connected with the center of gravity, what they think and say. And that's really only a small amount of time for the entire week. So that's, he goes, I wouldn't cut that off. Um, he thought, he goes, I would stop them from reading the Bible and praying because they have access 24 seven to the center of gravity. That's what I would stop. And I go, and then what would you do? And he said, I would invade. And I thought about our culture and I was like, could it be, you know, in, in the time of Judah with Josiah, they had no word. They didn't have their the, the scripture and they didn't know what to do. And I thought, what, what about in our country where we have tons of scripture and don't read it and don't know what to do? You know what I'm saying? And so that yeah. was that that was the core of your my answer is a little bit of a long answer. But the simple connecting to the center of gravity, which is which is Jesus Christ through his word, it's God breathed that we can do it any time, any place. If, if, if just the people of God did that and connected, it changes everything. And so I believe that, that our generation has been disrupted in the communication. If we can re you know, it's a critical node that if it's taken out, everything falls down, but if it's replaced, everything is built up quickly. And so I believe that is a simple, simple thing that can get overlooked is spending time in God's word and praying to our center of gravity, Jesus Christ at any time. That's just so helpful. I think oftentimes we look for the, uh, we almost look for the complex solutions when in reality, it's like the simple is actually what makes the biggest difference. It's like, if you're just consistent over time in the simple, an incredible change will happen in the long run. So thank you for, yeah, that's just a great analogy mm -hmm. even there that, Jeff shared as well. So, someone, yep. someone should, uh, it's almost like disciplines. It's almost like if you had spiritual disciplines, Chandler, that were really <laughs> simple, that you just repeated over and over, that are novel idea. Complex, that we, yeah, yeah. They're not I'm sexy. Thinking, I'm just thinking that, that <laughs> you might have spent some time on that. Just a guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying that we, we do make it so complicated. Yeah. All of us do. Uh, and, you know, it's like I was talking to a, a pastor yesterday about some transition stuff. And I'm like, man, you don't have to put out a fleece. Like, mm -hmm. it's probably pretty clear based on how God has wired you and who you are and the gifts that he's given you, like not everything is a laborious, you know, week long fasting and prayer session. It's, mm -hmm. it's pretty obvious. Uh, and you know, even things like this where it's like, Oh, this is, 
so obvious. I remember I was actually at the first catalyst, which I talked about a couple weeks ago with uh, Lominick. And um, it was true. Uh, Doc was up on stage at Hendrix, uh, mm-hmm. Howard Hendrix. So living by the book, great, great one. If you're taking students or uh, adults through a, through a book, by the way, living by the book, all about scripture and understanding scripture, but he's up there and, you know, He's saying very simple things like have a daily quiet time. <laughs> Everybody's writing them now. Um, yeah. It's just yeah. crazy how, how simple it is for us as leaders. And we know that yet we off, sometimes we can buck against some of those very simple things and we think we've grown beyond them. And that's when we get ourselves in trouble. Yeah. So I, I, uh, over the years, I've had a chance to interact with other leaders, uh, uh, specifically some Navy SEALs that are friends of mine. And I asked them about, you know, keeping things simple. And, and both of them talked about critical nodes that like really simple things that you might overlook. But, but if those aren't in place, it can cause a system failure that cascades through, throughout an entire system. And that's many times there's those small SEAL units. That's what they look for. They look for critical nodes because they can't, they don't have overwhelming force. They want to take down one thing, one small thing that causes the entire uh, structure to collapse. And again, I think uh, as we look at keeping things simple, many times we overlook at it. We look at the, the, at the whole picture and we miss those, those critical nodes and that they fail and then everything falls or falls around us. And uh, so I think, that's part of the idea of keeping things simple. It's just so critical as leaders that we don't overlook those things uh, in, in, in every area, such as reading the Bible each day. Yeah, so true. I, uh, I recently got to, to meet a Navy SEAL as well. We were in a, a program together and I was just like open notebook asking any question about leadership. Yeah. <laughs> have, there's so many takeaways yeah. there. It's, it's so good. Well, Amazing. Jeff, we're, we're going to wrap up with this question here. And what would you tell your 20 year old self about preparing to lead? So knowing now, you know, you've led fields of faith, you're, you're at FCA, you've written a book now. What would you tell your 20 year old self from all the experiences that you've had? Hmm. I, I think I would say, I would tell my 20 year old self, uh, to get a haircut. No, that's not it. I, I would say, <laughs> no, I think it would be, uh, to know yourself, I think, understand how God's wired you, you know, what, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Understand that. And then once you understand that you're able to lead better. And I think, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I, I just, you know, I would just, I would just operate how I just felt, how I knew what I saw, those type of things. And that was out of how God's wired. God has wired every one of us with gifts and and with strengths, but there's also weaknesses. And I think you can be blind when you, what the very thing that can make you a strong leader can be a detriment on the other side of the coin. The things that you can get patted on the back for can be a, uh, can, can be something that'll be a struggle uh, for, for, with other people, I'll give you a, you know, a good example of that would be that, you know, uh, I, I've, over the years, I've, I've learned that, uh, I'm, I, and I sort of knew this, but I really found out I'm strategic. I'm a learner. I'm an idea guy. I contact, I mean, just like 
I, I, I think about innovative ideas constantly. And what happens is that's really good because I come up with new ways to do things in a way, innovative way, see things that aren't there. The bad thing is, is that I, I sort of roll in this world of ideas and vision and taking the hill. And I don't, I, I, I miss people in the process, right? That's why I'm focusing on pro, these programs and stuff. That's good. I get pat on the back, but on the, the, the backside of it is, is that I can look at people as cogs in a machine to get us to, to the top of the hill. And I don't understand why they don't see it like I do, right? And so I would say that would be what I would tell my my 20-year-old self would have saved me so much time and uh, really enhanced my ability to lead in a much better way to simply know myself and understand how I'm wired and how that affects other, you know, other people and other parts of my life and uh, lean into those strengths and build out my weaknesses. That would have been a huge help. Man, I love that. And, and, you know, I, I think a lot of us kind of see that in ourselves. If we could go back, we, we would, you know, probably encourage ourselves on the strengths piece, but really say, Hey, you've got to watch out for this mm. um, because this experience is coming unless this, this shifts now, but at the same mm -hmm. time, we may not be who we are if we hadn't gone through that experience. Mm -hmm. um, but man, uh, just thank you so much for, uh, sharing your experiences with us today and share, uh, sharing your, your leadership with so many through fields of faith, as well as, uh, through FCA and, and now this book. Um, and so uh, Jeff, uh, you're welcome to come back anytime. Uh, we, we'd love to talk to you again. And for our listeners, uh, we just, Thank you for continuing to listen. Uh, we ask that you would just hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review uh, and tell a friend or two about um, this podcast and, and what your favorite one or dozen are. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> See ya.